0: This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by Electrified Veronica with a K dot com.
1: I think once you experience driving an electric vehicle and the convenience of plugging it at home, and I know, yeah, certainly if you have an apartment complex and you don't have a private parking lot and you can't get it, yeah, certainly there's challenges or whatever. But, you know, once you have the convenience and the performance and the smoothness and the quietness and you know everything else that is associated with an electric vehicle. It's really hard to go back to a combustion engine vehicle, and and to just get more people to be open minded about trying it and seeing if it fits their lifestyle.
0: Welcome into the Power Connect podcast. I'm your host Fred Davis. Episode thirty eight of the program rolls along today. It's a one two punch going on this week. Not uncommon for any other week, but it's a very special one two punch as we have our first ever. Husband and wife duo on back to back episodes. We've got Mr. Don Wright, Director of Engineering for Unico LLC, joining us today. And then in tomorrow's episode, we've got his lovely wife, Dr. Veronica Wright, joining the program. She is an author, a PhD, uh, also a consultant and specialty, and a specialist when it comes to all things batteries as well as electrification. And of course, we're going to hear a little bit from Dr. Veronica tomorrow uh, when she talks a little bit about how her and Don met. But, of course, uh, what's more important and kind of what's the, the the cool thing that they're doing is they're converting this 99 Jeep Wrangler into an EV. And, of course, uh, this was all born from the Gilmore Girls, which, obviously, Dr. Veronica, a huge fan of growing up in Austria, I'll be the first to tell you, I I know of Gilmore Girls, wasn't a huge fan of the show, not to take anything away from it, because obviously a lot of people were, so obviously it was enough to inspire Dr. Veronica. Don tells a little bit about the story about how this whole thing got rocking and rolling, so great story, great duo, excited about kind of the first ever husband and wife Back-to-back series episode, if you will. So uh, we'll get into a little bit of that with Mr. Don. But before we get into the rest of the episode with Don, as we tell you each and every show, follow us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, leave us a five-star rating, listen to the entire show, it helps with the algorithm and plus, I think we do a pretty good job. Not to mention too, you can connect with us on LinkedIn. You can also reach out to us uh, on the website, thepowerconnect.net, Fred Davis on LinkedIn, the Power Connect page. Real quick, gotta give a huge shout out to last week's guest. Absolutely phenomenal show with Mr. Hawkins Hawk Dunlap. The best episode we've had as far as numbers wise. So I wanna give everybody a huge shout out for that. Shout out as always to uh, Miss Sarah Stogner for her support. And then of course, uh, Brett Frazee, great show from him. So the the momentum's picking up, and I can't thank everybody enough for tuning into the program as this thing continues to differentiate itself from the energy podcasting space. There's a lot of options out there, so we want to thank everybody who takes time to listen to the Power Connect. All right, today's episode, Don Wright, Director of Engineering over at Unico LLC. Nearly 30 years in the biz, we get into all things EVs battery voltage systems how they've increased what that means the differences between the ice and the ev systems and more importantly the infrastructure issues that are going on with evs but as mr wright cautions don't let that be the death knell for the industry this thing continues to evolve and i think a lot of folks understand that but as we as don and i get into it It's the explanation of it, and it's the understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. And then, of course, he also gets into a little bit about the battery issues that folks have brought up as far as the recycling of them, as far as the duration of batteries and so no no better person to get into all that as far as from the engineering standpoint and why the circular economy is so important to the evolution of ev so it's a fantastic interview a lot of good stuff you're going to learn from this and of course he also gets into as we alluded to the 99 conversion of the jeep wrangler along with him and his wife dr veronica wright without further ado please welcome to the program and enjoy mr don wright
1: yeah, so Unico has been around since the 60s. We started as a a power control company, so making drives for motors. So anything that has a motor on it that needs to have precise control, you know, we we typically in the industry use shaft spinners. So if it just needs to speed up and slow down, that's not our that's not our niche, but if you want to have precise control over electric motors, Um, Unico has been building drive systems for that for decades so anything that needs to have coordinated control so back in the day it was lots of manufacturing machines so paper machines where you have paper going through a machine and you need to have proper tension so you know two different motors need to be operating at the exact same speed also for machining purposes. And of course, that that moved into the automotive test industry when especially multi-axis test systems. So if you're testing the full vehicle powertrain or, you know, nowadays it's testing e-axles where you need to have very careful and accurate and high-powered control of these electric motors, Unico makes drives for that. We really gained popularity in the, let's say, the mid-late 90s, early 2000s. When transmission development was heavily being investigated by the automotive companies, also in motorsports, and Unico made what we called a, a torque pulse simulation where we could have an electric motor on the front end of a transmission, and it actually replicated the pulses of the engine firing. And so you could do development and durability testing on the transmission without actually having a running engine. So if you don't have a running engine in a test bed, what we call an engine test cell, you don't have to have the fuel requirements. You don't have to have the fire safety requirements. You don't have to have the exhaust requirements. And so we could use an electric motor on the input of a transmission that was simulating the engine so you could say in the software hey this is a v8 you know this is a corvette this is a mustang this is a whatever and the torque pulses going into the transmission replicated that engine so that's kind of where you know really unico gained its fame in the test system business and of course the last 10 15 years unico has been providing lots of drives and systems to support the this transition to evs so battery test system. So cycling battery packs. So, you know, doing drive profiles, doing fast charging events, um, being able to test the battery pack as if it was in the real vehicle, but in a test bed environment, in a climate chamber at different temperatures. Um, So we've been providing cyclers for that for, for decades. Also, battery emulation. So if a, if you have a full EV powertrain or an electric motor and an inverter, we also provide battery emulation. So a customer can say, hey, today I have a 600 volt battery in my car. Tomorrow I have an 800 volt battery. The next day it's a 400 volt battery. We, we provide drives for that. Our drives can be integrated also with our dyno motor drives. So you can have a smaller system. So it can be, you know, for example, e-axle, we can actually take an e-axle out of a F-150 Lightning or a Rivian out of a Lucid and then put it onto an e-axle testbed and you're using the same system to load the e-axle down at the wheels as well as generating the DC power going into the inverter. And we have a unique solution that's kind of where unique, Unico came from, unique control solution, where we recirculate the energy on the DC bus inside of the drive, and we only feed the losses from the grid. So anybody that's in the test stand industry knows that's that's quite interesting and quite important because as we get up into these supercar power levels like Remax and and Rivian and Lucid and stuff, you know, customers are needing a one megawatt Connection to their separate dyno system and and if anybody knows about installing a one megawatt feed in their building to a testbed They realize that's huge bus bars. That's huge grid connections in the building And if you can recirculate the energy in from the powertrain on the DC bus That grid connection in the building is substantially less So this is one of the unique things that Unico can provide and, and it's really the hottest topic we have right now today
0: what you know, in your estimation, w- what technology has been the most fascinating for you to watch over the years?
1: Yeah, I you know, I think it's been fascinating to see, you know, not only the power going up, but the voltages going up in the vehicles as you raise the voltage level. And and for those that maybe are, are not familiar, you know, the, the first initial electric vehicles many years ago, you know, were maybe 200 volt Battery systems. Then we moved up to 400 volt battery systems, and 400 volt battery systems are still popular today. You know, my wife's Mustang Mach E is a 400 volt battery system. My Lightning is a 400 volt battery system. Um, But what we see is, you know, companies like Lucid, you know, they have an 800 plus volt battery system. And what that allows us to do is, not only reduce the amount of, or the size of the cables inside of the vehicle, but it also allows us to do some faster charging. So as the voltage goes up, the current goes down. Current is really the biggest enemy in the vehicle because current and Times resistance is, is heat and losses. And so you want to try to reduce that current as much as possible. So we really get requests now for higher and higher voltage test systems. We're, you know, at the EV battery show here coming up in Novi next month, we're launching our, our brand new silicon carbide. Drives which are all capable of 1200 volts. Really seeing this increase in voltage has been quite interesting and quite impressive. Also, the increase in speeds for the electric motors. So, we're seeing very common requests 25,000, 30,000 RPM electric motors. And this is a very big challenge, not only from an electrical control standpoint. Uh, you have to have the right control strategies to be able to accurately control not only the drive motor that you're trying to test, but also the load motor that you're also trying to control, um, but also mechanically. If you can imagine something spinning at 25,000, 30,000 RPM, if there's any type of imbalance, any misalignment, anything, it will uh, shake itself apart pretty quick. So. Um, it, that's quite a challenge both from a mechanical and an electrical standpoint but it's quite exciting it's it's really interesting to see the new technologies that companies are coming up with for electric motors inverters so it it's really crazy it's it's like co- applying the the progression of cell phones and computers and stuff to the automotive industry which i think some of the traditional automotive companies are struggling with that speed but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out.
0: Are you surprised? And and, and dovetailing off the speed thing because I it does seem like just within the last two years. I mean, I, you know, again, Tesla's been around for over a decade, and you know, it was a cool. You know, Teslas were kind of like the the outlier there for a while. But to your point, I mean, you know, you just mentioned uh, how f- you've got two Ford EVs, which it seemed like Ford wasn't even on the map. Uh, two or three years ago in the EV front, and they've made tremendous strides in just the last couple of years. How surprised are you at not just—I mean, we, like you said—you knew the technology was coming, you knew it was going to happen, but just the adoption and just kind of the mainstream popularity of EVs so quickly in the last couple of years?
1: I'm a little bit surprised on two fronts. So I started when I moved to Austria in 2011. I my role was to do business development for our, our electrification test systems and. You know, back then I saw the benefits of the powertrain. I was already in battery testing, uh, creating products for battery testing previous to that, and I thought the adoption was going to come a little bit quicker than it did. Um, it sort of it took the Tesla, it took Elon Musk, love him or hate him, uh, to really push this across the chasm, if you will, if you if you like the you know technology adoption curve, and really wake up the industry to say, hey, this is really here but i still felt you know in the in the late teens there were still some of the main oems that were sort of dragging their feet they were still you know looking hey what technology is it fuel cell is it whatever can we make cleaner fuels can we do this and but i i'm pleasantly surprised at how fast as you mentioned ford has turned the the faucet on and they're really doing a lot of things right you know jim over there is is, you know, not only embracing the vehicle aspect of it, but also the complete infrastructure around it, you know, trying to shake up the dealer model a little bit. And you hear these horror stories, not only for the F-150 Lightning and what dealers are are doing. I, I had the the pleasure of dealing with a great dealer on mine, so they were amazing. But, you know, I hear of dealers, you know, basically saying hey you got to pay $20,000 to keep your spot in line otherwise we're going to auction it off to somebody else or you hear about the new corvette is having the same issue so it's not just EVs. so the entire dealer model you know that that's that's a shakeup also that I think is coming but but it's really great to see the entire infrastructure topic being talked about a bit more which is a huge challenge and companies like Ford going out there with their EV angels where they're going around testing charging stations updating their apps with you know hey this this charging station you know six out of seven are are working fine and stuff like this so they're really putting a lot of effort into making sure that even after the customer has bought their first or second EV, that the ownership experience is what they expect and 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 is along the lines of what they've traditionally received from the ICE experience. So that's a critical point that I think you know companies are doing and it's but and it's really great to see that they were able to turn this around so fast.
0: What do you see right now as the biggest hurdle to greater EV adoption across the population as a whole
1: i get into lots of heated discussions or or whatever you want to call them online um you know i'm a proponent for it you know i think it boils down to there's people that want to make it work and you know as my wonderful wife says you know in incon- um, progress over inconvenience yeah there's certainly certain things that that EVs are not made for and and today they're they don't. They're not great for long, you know. Taking a camper across the country and stuff like this. I think there's a lot of people that are also out there that are only looking for reasons why it won't work, right. um, yet they've never driven one. Um, I do know that the infrastructure, and you're seeing more and more articles today about a certain companies, you know. Charging stations not working. We've experienced it a little bit when, you know, we drive very frequently from Milwaukee to the Detroit area. Um, The big stop is in Kalamazoo. There's a Sam's club next to a a steakhouse that I think everybody going east to west across the Midwest stops at. And, you know, we've stopped there a few times and half the charging stations are not functioning or not working um, and people are waiting for that. And, you know, if you roll in there with single digit percentage state of charge uh it's a little bit disconcerting that that you know you can't charge your vehicle everywhere so the infrastructure topic is uh is a huge concern you know Tesla spent a fortune you know building up that infrastructure on their own it, you know that's it's supposed to be opening up in the future which should alleviate some of the 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 stress on the infrastructure uh for charging but really the user experience of the of the charging of longer distances but really it's it's to get people into the mindset of hey i i want to try it before i blast it i hate it when people are arguing with me hey i can't tow my trailer you know to all the campsites or whatever and it's like well how often do you do that oh once a summer so it's like okay so you're you're automatically assuming that an ev is not for you because you need to tow once or twice a year or something you know i can tow a boat back and forth from a house to a lake a local lake you know, no problems with my lightning. We've we've hauled stuff back and forth to the shop for the EV conversion for our Jeep. It's great. We love it. And you know, I think once you experience driving an electric vehicle and the convenience of plugging it at home, and I know, yeah, certainly if you have an apartment complex and you don't have a private parking lot and you can't get, it, yeah, certainly there's challenges or whatever, but. You know, once you have the convenience and the performance and the smoothness and the quietness and, you know, everything else that is associated with an electric vehicle, it's really hard to go back to a combustion engine vehicle and, and to just get more people to be open-minded about trying it and seeing if it fits their lifestyle. So I'm loving that rental car companies like Hertz are buying Teslas and other EVs and Polestars and stuff so that people can rent them and, and see how it works. Of course, if they rent them and the infrastructure sucks and charging stations are not working, they're going to have a very bad experience, and they're going to say, "Ah, oh, this is not ready for prime time," and I won't get one right away. So, but to your point,
0: you know, we forget this is still a very nascent industry and sure. you know i think that you know i had joe britton on from the zero emissions uh, transportation association and you know he pointed it out it's like look this thing is still coming along i mean obviously the government just committed to what 500,000 chargers across the country um you know as far and you like you've mentioned i mean you got starbucks getting in the mix i mean i think loves stops yeah. uh, has has jumped into the mix i mean and 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 711 i mean it's 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 so it's coming right and of course look you know, we're we're old enough to remember when we had rotary phones, when you still had answering machines, you know, and so these things take time. But are we a victim of our own success as a country and just as a world where, you know, we're expecting with our iPhones we can do everything at the touch of a button? we want that same kind of technology, and that same kind of ease of use in our vehicles, which pretty much impacts dad, dadgum near everybody every single day. And we've kind of forgotten, like, look, this might take a little bit of time. So, you know, let, let's be a little patient.
1: Yeah, you're 100 percent correct. You know, we're still at the very beginning, you know, and and two things I would say on that is, you know, sometimes when I'm having discussions with people, I'm like, OK, well, there's, there's two possible outcomes from this. Either electrification is coming or it's not ever going to come. Yeah. I mean, and and everybody says, well, yeah, it's coming. That's, okay, then let's start. Let's let's get going. Let's start building it up. I'm happy to be an early adopter. I'm happy to go out and try to help people understand what it means. And and you know, half like I mentioned before, half some of the inconvenience that you have as an early adopter, and and that's fine for us. But we want to be a role model to show what you can do, what you can do with solar, what you can do with electric vehicles, um, and definitely accept the, the shortcomings. You know, when we, when we trailer the Jeep to Vegas for SEMA in November, it isn't going to be behind the lightning. It, uh, it's going to be behind a truck, you know, a diesel-powered truck probably. So, you know, we understand that there's certain things you can't do with an EV, and I accept that, and I understand that it's not for everybody, and I accept it. Um, the other story I like to say is, you know, everybody was jumping on this bandwagon about Rivian losing $1.4 billion or whatever. I mean, Google took, what, seven years to become pro- profitable or no, three years to become profitable. Amazon took seven years before they were profitable. You have to build up the infrastructure to build the vehicles. You have to invest in the company. That's what they're doing. And, and so... They're just at the beginning of the story. It, they're just starting, and and for anybody to automatically assume that in the first year after a half a year of vehicle delivered that they would be profitable, they they're kidding themselves. So I think it's you know it's unfortunate that it seems that a lot of people like to glamorize the failures in this industry to try to justify why it won't work or why they're driving a whatever is better than driving an EV. I, I don't know. I don't get it, actually. So
0: uh, I'll ask you this because you're a lot smarter than me when it comes to things about technology, especially when it comes to things EV-wise. Is there another battery that's, that, that's on the horizon that you know Unico's working on or you know of other folks that are working on that may not require quite the mineral necessary that we're seeing right now? And to your point that they love to glamorize all the negativity when it comes to mining and everything that goes in with it. Is there another alternative down the line somewhere?
1: Yeah, well, I I think the funny thing is is that people don't understand that even the batteries, the the current state-of-the-art batteries, lithium-ion batteries today, when they're recycled, you can reclaim more than 90% of the materials and make new batteries out of them my wife wrote a book about electrification and circular economy and how we need to build up an economy where we okay mine materials yep there's not enough materials out there today so we have to mine them but we build the batteries into or build the materials into batteries for first life so use them in the cars then you use them for 8 to 10 years so that's that's kind of the expected uh warranty period but you know a lot of people are saying that they're probably going to go 13 14 15 years before they get to this mythical life, which is kind of what is considered dead in a vehicle. So, I mean, 80% of 320 miles from my Lightning is still a long range. So, I mean, I could still be driving it after it's officially dead, but then you take them out and then you use those same batteries or modules in a a second life application, grid stabilization, you know, doing whatever. And they can live in that environment for another eight, 10, 15, 20 years, probably. So now you're really looking at a, a life of the battery You know, that's quite a bit longer than, you know, the proponents saying, oh, they only last eight years. But then once it's really actually done, you can take that battery, you can recycle it, reverse engineer it, or reverse manufacture it, sorry, and get out all of those raw materials. And once we have this basis of, let's say, batteries in the circular economy the amount of mining that we have to do to get new materials goes down because you can reuse so much of the old battery material build new batteries out of it and then re and reuse the that material again so the amount of mining would would go down once you have a mass of batteries out there of course there's new technologies that are you know sodium batteries and and other types of batteries i think i read somewhere that batteries are actually the most researched topic on the planet right now because i think there's a lot of companies out there that figured out they'll make a lot of money if they solve some of these problems but not only is there going to be new technologies that will make batteries that require less materials that need mining um, we're going to get better at building them into the first life so that they can be used in second life applications so we can reuse the batteries then of course the recycling processes you you see you see companies you know like um, redwood engineering or um, you know other companies in germany that are that are working on technologies to recycle all of the material and get the material back you know 95 97% and i think all of this will lead to you know at a certain point we won't need to mine as many materials
0: two-part question one what's kind of the next step I mean we've already obviously we've talked about the the charging we've talked about batteries that being said what do you kind of see as kind of the next step for EVs and, and what's on the horizon that maybe nobody's talking about and then two what's next for Don Wright and Unico
1: I think the next step for EVs is we're, we're seeing the first few generations of vehicles being out there for, you know, multiple years now, three, five years for some of the traditional OEMs, you know, longer for Teslas. And so, you know, we're starting to see the effects of many miles on these powertrains, lots of miles on the batteries. Um, So it will be very interesting to see how this leads into the next generation of vehicles. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I also see that there's going to, we're going to start applying manufacturing techniques Um, You know, especially, you know, I I give a lot of credit to Tesla, they're really pushing the boundary on bringing the manufacturing costs down, you know, all of the giga presses and things that they're doing to build the entire vehicle. People, of course, will complain, oh, it's the fit and finish is not great and stuff like this, but to make mass produced vehicles for the masses, I think is very critical and you know the new bolt now is is around twenty five thousand dollars, and so we're starting to really see some electric vehicles that don't look like origami experiments they look like normal cars normal trucks i mean when people get in my lightning they don't even realize it's an electric truck until they're like hey i don't it's this thing's not shifting or it's so quiet and i'm like yeah it's electric and they're like what are you kidding me so um, we're really seeing, you know, some really cool products coming out from different companies. We're seeing a, a, a lot of neat things. And so I, I think that's great and exciting um, for me personally um, and professionally. You know, we're excited to support the industry. Um, we're, we're making lots of test beds you know, very high power stuff um, for not only the automotive market, but for the racing industry, we're seeing more racing series. You know, I think World Rallycross just launched their or relaunched their series now as an all electric. So I think it's very exciting and, and it's it's helping demystify the electrification topic so that more people are, you know, open to explore it, look into it. And I just, I just wish people would do their research and really talk to actual EV owners. Really drive a vehicle. Really understand it, and don't don't just believe the hype. Um, we're also moving along quite well on our EV deep conversion. So I don't know if people are interested in that, but maybe you can throw a link somewhere. Um, So Veronica is documenting everything on on YouTube. So we just posted a battery video this morning, um, and we're planning to have the Jeep at SEMA in Vegas in November. So we'll be on full display, and and our intent is to have it driving before we take it there. So lots of exciting things going on.
0: Real quick, go ahead and tell us about the, the Jeep conversion.
1: Yeah, so my wife is from austria and she grew up watching gilmore girls uh when she was growing up she loved the show and i guess so i i have to apologize i'm not a gilmore girls expert but i guess in every episode they're driving around in this 99 jeep wrangler and when she moved here to milwaukee to to join me in in my adventure here we were putting on a trailer hitch on our edge in the garage and she said hey this is fun can we make an electric gilmore girls jeep and being a electrical engineer and a car guy, I'm like, took about two seconds. I said, hey, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. So we bought a 1999 Jeep Wrangler from Nebraska, drove it back to Milwaukee, and uh, on New Year's had the engine out, transmission out, and we're converting the entire thing to pure electric. The whole thing is documented online on her website, also on YouTube, TikTok, um, and we're sharing everything that we're doing during our adventure so that people can Be inspired to electrify their dream car, and we'll see where it goes from there. We have so many requests. Um, We're already working on plans for a lower cost version using reused powertrains from other vehicles. And so, anybody who's interested in making an electric Jeep or Bronco or whatever, uh, hit us up, and we'll be happy to explore those options with you.
0: Where can we go? uh, Where can we find all this good good information at and watch this uh, watch this journey?
1: Yeah, so it, the the website her website is electrified veronica's, with Veronica is with a K. Okay. Com. Um, also, if you search for electrified Veronica on YouTube, um, with a K, uh, you'll find her there as well. And uh, yeah, it's all online. Also on TikTok. I can't remember her TikTok handle, but uh, she's got uh, getting a lot of followers on TikTok. Well, here's the
0: question: Is she doing interviews?
1: Yes, she is actually. I so think she we got she's, t- she's the brighter star in the in the in the household. So she's the rock star you need to talk to.
0: Thank you so much for that, Mr. Don Wright. You can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at Apple, Spotify, and on the website, thepowerconnect.net. As we alluded to, don't forget to catch his wife's episode, which is going down tomorrow, Dr. Veronica Wright. We'll get into a little bit about how they met. Definitely don't want to miss out on that. Her inspiration, how electrification is viewed in Europe versus what's going on over here in the United States. Great stuff from Dr. Veronica Wright. If you like Don Wright, and I know he had a lot of great information, you're certainly going to enjoy Dr. Veronica Wright. Great episodes coming out next week as well. We've got Robert Jensen, co author of the book An Inconvenient Apocalypse. Yes, it sounds dark and yes, it sounds serious, but I promise you, after you hear this interview with Robert Jensen, it'll all make sense. Uh, We've also got an interview coming up with Devin Paris, 13 year veteran in the solar game. But of course, we know a lot about solar panels, but we don't know much about the racking systems that hold up. The solar panels and so we're going to talk to Devin paris about that plus we get a few sales tips from him as well as best airport worst airport to be around stay tuned for that a lot of great episodes coming up as we alluded to give us a follow apple spotify the website you know the deal do it do it now Thanks to everybody for tuning into the show, the audience, the guests. Without you doing what you do, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time.
1: Wake up, all the builders. Time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all in the hand. The only thing we have to do.